Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Passion history began with Jesus saying to his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man will be given over to be crucified. The very thing that Peter did not want to have happen. The very thing, though, that the Old Testament scriptures had prophesied, the very thing that Jesus himself had said on many occasions, that is why he had to go into Jerusalem. That is why he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, because now he is about to be given over to be crucified. Yes, Jesus, who is the Son of Man, the Son of God, He's known as the Passover lamb, the lamb of God. But for whom? For whom is he the Passover lamb? Who does he serve as that Paschal lamb? Let's consider some people. How about the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people? Did Jesus die for them? After all, they are the church leaders. They are some people that probably figured that they were some pretty outstanding people. And especially those Pharisees, they really thought that they had it all figured out, that they were some really great people. But if you know, behind the scenes, they are working to kill Jesus. And so they meet in secret places. They engage in their devout prayers. And they have their intense devotions as they are plotting and planning to kill an innocent man, and they're trying to figure out how to make this death appear to be legal. So what about those hypocrites? Did Jesus die for them? Or take a look at Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, one who had been with Jesus for the previous three years as Jesus conducted his ministry and as he trained these men in the word of God to serve as apostles. But what has Judas been up to? He meets secretly with the chief priests and the captains of the temple in order to get those 30 pieces of silver, a paycheck, if you will, or rather, bounty for murder. And so he agrees with them to hand Jesus over to them. He is now ready to betray Jesus for some quick cash. He's clearly now on Satan's side. Did Jesus die for that hypocrite? <clears throat> and if that isn't enough, look at the disciples. After Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper and gives them his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, they begin to argue. Jesus had just given them this most amazing and precious meal, the first of its kind, and then they argue. Who is the greatest? They're not arguing over petty matters like which sports team is going to win. But instead, they're arguing over themselves. Who is the greatest? And in order to determine who is the greatest, they must belittle one another in order to make themselves the top dog. So what about these self-absorbed men? who had been with Jesus these last three years? Did Jesus die for these sinners? And what about you? 
What about you? You. Who, if you knew that, if you could have been there, you know you would have been better than they. You know that you would not have been so self-absorbed to argue about who is the greatest. You would not have been like those people who fled away from Jesus after he is arrested, right? You have more things figured out. That's why you have the answers. That's why when you hear, thus saith the Lord, you say, well, actually, and then you come up with your own ideas and your own interpretations. You say that you have learned other things from other theologians and from scientists and from all these other people. The reality is you are just as much of a sinner as Caiaphas and Judas Iscariot and the disciples. When you heard the Passion history tonight, you are part of that story. Just insert your name when you heard of the sins of Caiaphas or Judas or any of the disciples. You are not curved in on yourself any less than they were. God knows your shameful sins and desires, and he knows that they come from in your own heart even though you're trying to claim innocence, saying, the devil made me do it. He knows every sin that you have done wrong. He even knows the sin of every time you have objected to when God has declared that your actions are sin. So did Jesus die for the chief priest and his minions? Did Jesus die for Judas Iscariot and the disciples? Did Jesus die for you? How often do we see columns in the paper offering advice, saying, you shouldn't have to put up with this or that or with this other person? How often do we give that advice? You shouldn't have to take all that abuse and rejection sitting down. It's time to get even. Watch out, for they'll be sorry. What comes around goes around, is what we like to think. But what does Jesus do? Jesus, he gets up. And when he gets up, does he flex his muscles at these disciples who are arguing over who is the greatest? Does he, is he ready now to show who is the boss? No. Instead, he gets up and fills up a bowl of water. He stoops down and does the mundane work of a servant. He begins to wash the disciples' feet. It seems so wrong. We, of course, have been trained to not become the servant of those who have sinned against us. We, of course, have been trained to make sure that we mark what they have done and remember it forever. But that is not the way it is for the Christian or the way for our Lord. For Jesus had been wronged by everyone, and now he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. He does not seek revenge. He does not work to get even. He doesn't even prove to the disciples once and for all that he is truly the greatest one. But instead, he goes and takes the form of a servant. He serves as a suffering servant. He serves ultimately to give his life as a ransom for many, to pardon them. And then, of course, you have Peter. Peter, who now objects. 
Lord, what in the world are you doing? You can't do that. You can't wash my feet. You would object too, wouldn't you? For it's scandalizing to watch Jesus be a self-abasing, sacrificial servant. We want him to be the sovereign God, the almighty, the victor. It's offensive to our sensibilities to behold God nailed to the cross. And so Jesus replies, you do not understand, Peter, but soon you will. After you have failed me and denied me three times, then you will understand how completely dependent upon me you truly are. For I, not you, am the Lamb of God who takes away your sin and the sin of the entire world. If you don't want me to serve me, if, uh, serve you, then you have no part with me. And when Peter hears that and finally understands, he then says, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. That is much better, for that is the way of faith speaking. For Peter wants his entire body to be cleansed of its unrighteousness. He does not want anything left out. He does not want to be remain soiled in his sin. But Jesus is washing the disciples' feet as an object lesson. Now don't, don't brag about being the brightest and the best, you disciples, but instead serve others. Now go into the world and be like Jesus and serve them. Don't become their masters, but become their servants, for that is the Christian way. And that is what Jesus has done. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the entire world, who has redeemed you, a lost and condemned person, and purchased and won you from all sin by his holy precious blood, and by his holy, innocent suffering and death. And now tonight, learn more like Peter of your need for this Lamb of God who takes away your sin. For Jesus still serves. He still takes your sin away, and he names you as a guest to his altar. Don't be like Peter, claiming you don't need him or the things that he gives you. Don't think that you are too much of a sinner to receive the body and blood of Christ. And don't think that you're too little of a sinner than to go to our Lord's altar. For Jesus tells you, take, eat. And he tells you, take and drink. He declares, this is my body and this is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And so there you have the very body and blood of Christ offered on the cross and atoning you of all of your sin, given to you now as a free gift. No limitations, no restrictions, simply believing this promise that it is his body and, and it is his blood. This is truly being the servant, and talking about service, divine service, for the forgiveness of all of your sins. This is God's promise. And because Jesus says that his body and his blood gives you forgiveness of sins, this shows that you need forgiveness of sins and your life depends upon it. And incredibly, Jesus is present Sunday after Sunday as your servant, giving you his body and his blood for you for your forgiveness. He doesn't tell you to receive it as if he's giving you new laws and new rules. 
but instead he's inviting you as his guest to receive this gift of grace. He does it because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, which means he does take away the sin of Caiaphas. He does take away the sin of Judas. He does take away the sin of Peter, the disciples, my sin, and your sin. Unfortunately, some of the elders of the people rejected Jesus and did not receive that forgiveness that Jesus had earned for them. Sadly, Judas Iscariot, when he was weeping his tears of remorse for having betrayed Jesus, went to the chief priests, went back to the temple, tried to deliver back the money, tried to make amends, and he was simply slapped in the face and said, what is that to us? We have nothing to do with you. And he goes out and hangs himself in utter despair. Judas was denied by those church leaders the gospel that he needed for his salvation. And so while Jesus died for, for him, we cannot say that he was saved. And on the other hand, we have Peter, who does deny Jesus. He whips his, weeps his tears of bitterness, and Jesus being the, the greatest of the prophets, the, the prophet being the high priest, he restores Peter, he forgives Peter, he delivers the absolution to Peter, and so, Jesus, or so Peter is restored. The other disciples, too, who had argued over being the greatest, they, too, are forgiven. And the sins that you have committed, the many times you thought you knew more than God, the many times you thought you knew more than the Word should teach, the many times you wanted to reinterpret the Scriptures, the many times you have faced temptations of your flesh and given in, those sins have been carried to the cross. Jesus has paid for them all. And so the disciples, who were raised up by Christ and forgiven, they go out and preach the good news of Jesus. You have received that preaching, that Christ is your Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that your sins are truly taken away. Life belongs to you. You were bought at with a price. You are redeemed, restored, and forgiven in Christ. And so we respond with our words of thanksgiving and praise. We give, we, we, we proclaim our testimonies of Christ to the world, for he loves us and he loves the entire world. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.